This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Amen. It goes so well with what we're talking about today. So we began to walk through Ephesians a few weeks ago, and we've come to a prayer at the end of chapter one. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul is praying there is that the Spirit of God would open the eyes of our hearts to see the depth of the love of Christ and the power that is available to us in Christ. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, and we're looking at verses 15 through 23, how your prayers impact your church. One of the great things we can do in our prayer lives is to pray the scripture, pray the Psalms, pray these these prayers of Paul that are sprinkled throughout his letters. And we see a couple of them in Ephesians. We see one here in chapter one, there's another one in chapter three. But let's look at the end of chapter one at verses 15 through 23, if you'll follow along in your copy of God's word. Paul says, this is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have never, I never stopped giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we dig into this incredibly rich text, that your spirit would open the eyes of our hearts to behold wonderful things in your word. And and Lord, we, we know that you know where every single one of us is in this room today or anyone who's watching this video today or, or later on, you, you know exactly where we are in, in our lives. And Father, we pray that today would be a true Independence Day, that this would be a day of breakthrough and deliverance and true freedom in Christ. Lord, we, we pray that by the power of your spirit that you would open our eyes to 
to see who you are in your love and your power and the, the wealth of our inheritance that you've given to us, all these incredible blessings that, that are ours in Christ. Lord, open our eyes to see these things and to rejoice and to live them out. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, this is beach time for a lot of people. And I, I remember growing up, one of the things that we would do before we left for the beach is we would grab the binoculars because I love to spot ships out on the horizon. And my dad was in the Navy, and so he knew all about the different kinds of ships, and he could tell me, you know, what they were and, and kind of what they were doing and, and that kind of thing. And so we would scan the horizon with those binoculars for, for ships. Well, imagine if you did that not with binoculars, but with a telescope. You would not only be able to tell what kind of ship it is, you would be able to see the name of the ship on the side. In fact, you would be able to see people walking around on the deck of the ship. And not only that, you wouldn't just see a couple of ships, you would probably see a dozen or more that are, that are out there on the horizon. It's the power of a telescope. What Paul is praying here in this text is that the Spirit of God would give us the power to see things about God that we have never seen, or maybe things about God that we have seen, but that we need to see more clearly. So what, what do we see here in this text? In verses th three through 14, we saw where Paul in this, it's one long sentence in Greek, 203 words, um, one, one long sentence. And what we saw there in verses three through 14 is like all these blessings that are ours in Christ. What he's really doing here in verses 15 through 23 is praying that the spirit would open the eyes of our hearts to see these blessings, to perceive these blessings and to grasp these blessings. So what do we see here? First of all, uh, praying for the church. Praying for the church. Let's look at verses 15 and 16. He says, this is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I, have, I never stopped giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Now Paul had been to Ephesus before, Acts 19 tells us that he was in Ephesus for over two years. That's longer probably than any other place that he was. But it had probably been about a decade since Paul had, had been in Ephesus. And so there are so many new people that have come to Christ that he didn't know. And most scholars believe that Ephesians is a circular letter. So it was written not only to people in Ephesus, but probably to people, churches in surrounding cities as well. So Paul knows that he, a lot of the people that are going to be reading or hearing his letter read to them, that he has never met. But they, they are new in Christ. And so he's praying for them. He's rejoicing in the new people that have come to Christ. Listen, if you don't rejoice in seeing new people come to Christ, then you need to check your spiritual pulse, right? As believers, we should rejoice, rejoice when we see people being saved, 
We should rejoice when people are baptized. When, when we have baptism here, listen, baptism should be a time of incredible celebration for the church because we celebrate the new life that God has given. Jesus says in, in Luke 15 and verse 7 that all of heaven rejoices when just one person comes to Christ. And so we don't rejoice when people are saved. It means that our hearts are out of sync with the heart of God because all of heaven rejoices when new people come to Christ. So baptism is a celebration. When we hear news from the mission field of people coming to Christ overseas, those things should be things we celebrate. For the last few Sundays, we've been featuring uh, different missionaries that our church is, is, is uh, closely Im- involved with. Doesn't your heart just thrill when you hear them share about people coming to Christ around the world and kind of knowing that you're a part of that through your prayers and your giving and all that? Note also here that Paul's instinct is to pray for this church. Paul is in prison as he writes Ephesians, and he cannot physically be with the church, but he knows that he can impact the church by praying for them. Because you know what? God can do things in a church And God can do things in lives that that we could never do. I love what John Piper says. God acts when we pray. And God can do more in five seconds than we can do in five years. So pray. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastors. We need your prayers, right? Satan attacks pastors because he knows if, if he can get to the pastors like That has a bad effect on everybody else. And so please, hold us up in your prayers. Please pray for us. Pray for our holiness. Pray for the closeness of our our walk with God. Pray for passion and, and energy and rest and all the different things. We need your prayers. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ in our church. Pray, pray, for, pray for unity in the body of Christ. When the church is united, it is an unstoppable force for God. Pray that we would grow deeper through discipleship and wider through evangelism. Pray for the missionary outreach and the international outreach of our church. Pray for our church's mission to be fulfilled, to glorify Christ by making disciples who make disciples in our community and around the world. Pray, pray for your church. Now we see here what Paul prays for the church. Prayers of intercession, prayers of intercession. Let's check out verses 17 through 19. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. First, 
Notice in verse 17 the Trinitarian nature of this prayer. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I mean, the Trinity just flows forth naturally in Paul's prayers. And so what is he praying for, for the church? Basically, it's that we would know God better. That we would know God better, deeper. Verse 17 I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And notice here that he's not so much praying that God would give us new things as much as he's praying that the Spirit of God would open the eyes of our hearts to see what we've already been given. These are things that have already been given to us. And he's praying here, verse 17, that, that we would be given the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That, verse 18, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we will know more of what, what already is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are not things, new things he's praying that will be given. It's that the Spirit of God would help us know and perceive what is already ours, what we've already been given in Christ. You know, I enjoy uh, my devices, you know, iPhone and iPad and, 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 and MacBook, and I use these things constantly, but I use them in very limited ways. And I know that I am barely scratching the surface of what these devices will do. And I really need to take time and just kind of scroll around more and, you know, delve into all the tips and, and, all, and all that stuff so that I would, I would know more of what these things are capable of because I know I'm just scratching the surface. Well, it's one thing just to scratch the surface in the knowledge of some tech device. It is quite another matter when we're just scratching the surface in our knowledge of God. We wanna go deep. We wanna know that deep, deep love of Jesus that we sang about. Well, how do, we, how do we know that? How do we go into the depths? It's through the Spirit, through the Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter two. 1 Corinthians two. And verses 9 and 10. Paul says there, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, what God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now look at verse 10. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. 
I've never been deep sea diving, but I have friends who have, and they tell me it is amazing. It is stunning. Like this whole new world that you've never seen. The beauty that you see down in the depths. And the way that we come to know the, the depths of God is, is through the Spirit. Again, let's keep going through verses 11 and 12 here. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world but the spirit who comes from God so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. Again, he's not praying that we would be given new stuff. He's praying that our eyes would be open to see what has already been given to us in Christ. Like what? Like Go back to verse 18 here. Like the hope of his calling. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. We talked about this last week, but you know, if we thought more about the future glory that is ours in Christ, it would change our living now. It would change our perspective on trials, for instance. If we, if we contemplated that in light of the future glory that is ours in Christ, Paul says in Romans eight eighteen, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. 2 Corinthians chapter four and verse 17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. And so, when we think about our future, the glory of our future, then it puts the trials of this life in perspective because our trials are very temporary. They're not gonna last. What is gonna last is the weight of glory, the forever glory, that we have with, with Christ. He says, I want, you, I want the spirit to open your eyes to that, to the hope of your calling. What else? Verse 18, he's praying that the spirit would open our eyes to what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And we talked about this last week. But you know, it, so many of us are like a, a billionaire sweating over the loss of a $10 bill. You know, we, we're worried about this and we're whining about this and that or, or whatever. And if we like truly understood the riches that are ours in Christ, like so many of the things that we sweat over and worry about, like they would just be put into perspective. Paul says, I want the spirit to open your eyes to that like to how rich in Christ that you truly are. And then the greatness of his power, he's praying that God would open the eyes of our hearts to see the, the immeasurable, verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. 
I've been reading the Old Testament a lot recently in, in my Bible plan. And just one of the things that strikes me over and over again in the Old Testament is how God calls his people to do something. And, and the issue comes down to, are they really going to trust in the power of God? And step out in faith, right? And, and move out and take that land or you know whatever it is that he's calling them to do. It really comes down to, are they gonna trust in the power of God? You think about that like even something as practical as sharing your faith in Christ. I mean, you're, at, you're having coffee with a friend or whatever, having a, having a lunch with them or whatever. Am I gonna clam up or am I gonna speak openly about Jesus and share the gospel? And what, what we find is that when we're willing to step out in faith and just love people enough to begin talking to people about Jesus, the Spirit gives the words that we need to do that. And it becomes more and more, it snowballs. It becomes more and more of a habit because we're experiencing God's power working through us. But we don't get that when we stay comfortably, you know, in our, in our little comfort zone. We gotta kinda get out there. You gotta kinda get out on a limb a little bit. That's, that's where the fruit is. That's where you experience this power. I love what D.A. Carson says about this. Paul cannot be satisfied with a version of Christianity that is orthodox but dead. And neither should we. So in verses 17 through 19, it's prayers of intercession. In verses 20 through 23, what we see is prayers of adoration. Prayers of adoration. So in verse 19, Paul's been talking about God's power, and now in verses 20 through 23, he's talking about three displays of his power in different events. The first event where God displays his power is in the resurrection of Christ, verse 20. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead. Now here's, here's what we need to see. The connection between verse 20 and verse 19. So in verse 20, he's talking about the power of God in raising Christ from the dead, but look at the link between that and verse 19. He prays in verse 19 that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then in verse 20, he says, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead. Do you know what that means? It means that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me on a daily basis. The second power display of God that he talks about here is the ascension an exaltation of Christ that we see at the end of verse 20 and, the, and verse 21. It says, he exercises power in Christ by raising him from the dead and what? And seating him at his right hand in the heavens far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given 
not only in this age, but also in the one to come, and he subjected everything under his feet. Now, Ephesians is filled with power language. It's, it's all over the place in Ephesians. It's very cosmic. He talks about uh, power. He talks about these hierarchies of power. You're going to see it again in chapter 6, principalities and, 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 and powers. Ephesus was a place of power. It was a place of civic power. It was like this very important city in the ancient world. It was a place of commercial and economic power. It, was, it had an incredible port, roadways, all of that. So it was a place of economic power. And, and most of all, Ephesus was a place of religious power and especially demonic power. There were pagan temples all over that city and dominating the cityscape of Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis or Diana. And people came from all over the world there to worship this, this false god and, and all kinds of dark and demonic things were, were happening in that pagan temple and in Ephesus. It was, it was known for the Ephesian writings, which were basically these, these books and scrolls that contained like um, spells, sor sorcery, uh, different kinds of spells that were put on people and things like that. It was a wash in the occult. You get a flavor of this in Acts 19, which tells us about Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And it tells us about many of the people that became Christians in Ephesus. Kind of, it gives you a flavor of what they were coming out of. It says, and many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic, this is not magic like you know, at your kid's birthday party, right? This is like the occult, this is sorcery. While many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. So many people in Ephesus had lived under the power of Satan, under this demonic power. And so when they came to Christ, these, these books that were, were filled with, you know, all of these different spells and different things like that, um, incantations and things like that to false gods, these things that had a hold on them, they had had a grip on them, almost like drugs. When you think about drug addiction, if someone comes to Christ out of heroin addiction, they can't keep the drugs around the house, nor do they want anyone else to have them. There's only one, you gotta get rid of it, right? And that's the way that these people were with these, these, these things that had just kept them bound and in spiritual prison, right? They, they, they were burning their bridges, right? By, by burning these things, right? Um, and so Satan's grip, his hold on these people that had been imprisoned by these dark demonic powers, it was, it was lessening, right? Acts 19 goes on to tell us that, that the, the, the trade 
in, in idols of Artemis, right? These, metal, these idols that they would make up. They, people weren't buying as many of them anymore. And so there was a riot that broke out uh, against the, the believers because people weren't buying, buying these, these, these shrines, these idols any, anymore. Satan's hold was, was loosening. There's a great scene in the Chronicles of Narnia where um, the, it's, you know, Narnia is a place where it's, it's, it's winter but never Christmas and just things are frozen over. It's this frozen, frozen world, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, and there's the scene where the ice just begins to break, right? It's beginning to melt. And the reason is because Aslan, Jesus, is on the move, right? And as Jesus is moving, the Spirit of God is moving in Ephesus, the grip that Satan had had on these people was, was, was loosening because Jesus shatters. He is, he is over these powers. As we sung it earlier, he is exalted over all, over the grave, any name, any throne, right? Christ is exalted above these things and he shatters these things. Notice, notice also here in verse 20, that as it speaks about the exaltation of Christ, it says that, that God exercises power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. The right hand is the place of power and favor and honor and authority. And Jesus has that at the right hand of the Father. But listen, if you are in Christ, guess what? You are right there with him. You're with him. Look at chapter two. Look at chapter two and check out verse six. Chapter two and verse six. It, it says there of believers that he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So even though you're here on this earth and you're doing life on this earth, there's a sense in which you are already with Jesus at the right hand of God, seated there with him. And notice that he is sitting there, right? It says that, that, that God exercises power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Hebrews uh, chapter one and verse three tells us that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word and after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen, Jesus rules and reigns sitting down. He's not stressed about anything. He's not afraid of anything. He's not worried about anything. He's not intimidated by anything or anyone. And see, you are there with him. Ephesians 2, 6 says, you are there seated with him. And what that means is that you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be intimidated. You don't need to be worried. You don't need to be stressed out. No, you are in Christ. <laughs> and Christ has got it all under control, right? And you're right there with him. That is your position 
in, in Christ. The third thing that we see here is the headship of Christ, verses 22 and, and 23. It says, and he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So while Christ is the head of all creation, he, he is in particular here head of his church because the church is the body of Christ. And notice the language here, that he is for the church. He was appointed him as head over everything for the church. In other words, for the benefit of the church. Christ is invested in the church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is all in for the church. He is for the church, for the benefit of the church. Listen, be all in for what Jesus is all in for. Be part of building what Jesus is building. Jesus is building his church. He is for the church. He is for the benefit of the church. Be all in for the church. You hear people say sometimes in our culture, well, you know, I love Jesus, but you know, not really, not really the church. That is hogwash. I want to tell you something. If you love Jesus, you love the things that Jesus loves. And Jesus loves his church. We're going to see in chapter 5 and verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus sacrificed himself and died on that cross for the church. He loves his church. You love Jesus, you love what Jesus loves. That means loving your church and that means praying for your church. That means pouring, pouring yourself in, right? Rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in ministry and seeking to build up the body of Christ with him functioning as our head. And you may be here or you may be watching this video sometime at some place or maybe today and you're trying to be your own head. I wanna tell you something, life works a whole lot better when Jesus is at the head. You let, him, you let him be the head. You let him lead your life. Let him lead you, guide you, empower you. You're not made to do life alone. You are made by God and for God to function with Christ as your head. And he invites you to him today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the incredible truths that we see in this prayer, Lord, make us faithful to pray for our church, to pray for it, to pour ourselves into it, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and just, just seek to make an impact and a difference in building up the body of Christ through our time and our talents and our treasures. Lord, we just wanna be all in for the church because we know that you are. And so, Lord, we, we pray for you as our head just to lead us and empower us in our church and in our lives. And, Lord, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their head. 
as their savior, as their king. Lord, would you open the eyes of hearts right now to repent and trust in you and, and give, give their life to you. And as we just continue to pray right now, listen, I would say to you, you're in this room or you're watching a video somewhere, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus and trust him. Let him be your head. Take your hands off the controls of your life and let Jesus run it. Father, work in our lives right now. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.